The Prime Minister on a Tuesday morning. Chris Hipkins, morning to you. Good morning, Mike. This Maori business in the health system, do you understand it? Um, what I understand are three things. One is clinical need will always be the key factor in prioritising access to clinical health care. Second, I understand that they've identified that for Māori, Pacific, those from rural communities and those from, lows, those, from, those from low income backgrounds, that they've not been getting the same timely access to health care as other New Zealanders. And the third is that my understanding is that what they're trying to do is remedy that so that the health system does actually provide equitable access to health care for everybody. That's a laudable goal. That's something they should be aiming to achieve. I have asked the Minister of Health to look at the criteria that they're using to make sure that we're not replacing one form of discrimination with another. So how's she going to do that? Well, she'll obviously be having a conversation with Tafata Ora to look at what the criteria are, um, to look at the outcomes that are being achieved, um, and to make sure that actually people are getting equitable access to healthcare. Because we talked to one of the doctors yesterday who defended it. He couldn't explain it. He sort of went on about an algorithm that did this, that, and the next thing. What I can't understand is that at the end of the day, the summation appeared to be there are some people who have been on the waiting list for far too long and they need to be addressed. And yet part of the criteria is the waiting list, and that has nothing to do with race. So the issue that they've, they've identified, I think, is that those who are Māori, Pacific, from rural communities, but it's not just ethnicity, it's also from rural communities and low income. No, I get that. But, but, but they've the identified but, those groups of people who've been waiting too long, understand. But you've already yeah. got as part of your criteria the waiting list. So why not address the waiting list, and therefore you don't have to address race? Well, that is what they're doing. I think that my un- my understanding is that they're just trying to make sure they're doing that in an equitable way. That doesn't mean that those who have been on the waiting list for comparable periods of time who are not falling into those four categories get health care before uh, those who fit into those four categories have been getting them. They want to make sure that they're doing that equitably. That's a, that's, that's a good goal. They should be aiming to achieve equity in the way they deliver health care. How long has this been going on? Um, I, I don't know, Mike. You'd have to ask the, the clinicians that. Ultimately, decisions around you know clinical assessment as to who gets healthcare are made by clinicians. Um, that's not a new feature of the health system. But I think when they identify that there has been past discrimination and inequitable outcomes, so i.e. some people haven't been getting the healthcare mm. in the same time frame, then they should do something to address that. Is this rolled out nationally or just in Auckland? My understanding is there's two DHBs. I think it was um, Auckland and Northland. And so is that going to change now there's a centralised authority or not? Um, certainly there's no, in, uh, my, from the conversation I had with the Minister of Health yesterday, there's no intention to roll this out nationally. Why not? There are Maori all over the country. Well, we expect them to be, they're all working to clear the backlog. Um, that is the intention and that is what they should be focusing on. Yeah, but if they're on. focusing on race in one part of the country, why aren't they focusing on race in another? Why isn't it well, universal? Should... What happened to the postcode lottery? What I would expect is that they are going to make sure that they are being equitable everywhere in the country. This this is a question about a particular initiative designed to do that. Right. That doesn't mean that that initiative is perfect and that everyone's going to be taking the same approach. Okay. Is Aisha Verrill sitting on a Maori Health Authority report that she won't release and she's had it for six weeks? Um, my understanding is that there is a report um, that was produced internally by um, uh, Takafai Order, the Māori Health Authority, basically um, looking at you know what's going well and what's not, and ministers are considering that, and that is their intention to release that. When? Um, well, I suspect once they've had a chance to consider it. How long do they need to take to consider a report that they've had for six weeks? She also said she hadn't formed a view. How long does that take? 
Um, well, sometimes you want to get a, you get you, you, these reports prompt questions. You know, you want additional information. You want to analyse, um, you know, what the report's showing you. Particularly if it, if it highlights that there are, you know, things where areas for improvement. You actually want to get some advice on how best to do that. So um, that's a that's a <laughs> in almost any aspect of government, ministers receive reports. They mm. ask more questions on them. You, and you're they're not stalling, are you? In the sense that, uh, and I'll come to the OIA in just a moment. The report is uh, the, the suggestion is the report's bad news. It's not performing particularly well, and you're just trying to work out when to release it so it has minimum damage. Um, no, my understanding is there's no intention to stall. Um, but basically, as with you know most reports that ministers receive, they want to consider them before they release them. Do you know what's in the report? No, I haven't seen it myself. The Nash review, which came out Friday, got no coverage. It said, apart from anything else, basically ministers, and he was one of them, they wander around with the OIA looking for excuses not to release stuff. Is that fair or not? Well, the, um, the Ombudsman's report found that, in fact, Stuart Nash had been advised by the Prime Minister's office that, that, that they should release the information, which they then subsequently decided not to release. Um, so, you know, ministers individually um, who sign out OIA requests have to accept the responsibility for what they sign out. Um, I've always taken a pretty critical look at, at withholding decisions to make sure that I think that they are justified and because I think the principle behind the OIA is a sound one that unless there's a good reason, a very good reason yeah. to withhold information, you should release it. Are you playing fast and loose these days? By the time you've got Foon, Dyson, Tonetti, Wood, etc., there's an image problem now for your government and transparency and honesty and knowing the rules and balance and all of those sort of things, isn't there? And I think all of those examples that you've just mentioned highlight that where people make mistakes and where they don't um, you know, adhere to the standards that are required of them, there's a consequence associated with that. It's a lot of mistakes. When's the Wood Report due, by the way, from Weavers? Um, I haven't, he hasn't given us a clear indication of when he's intending to um, come back with a finding. Wouldn't you want so, to ask? Um, Oh, well, my, my, my clear feedback, of course, he's independent, but my clear feedback is the sooner the better. I would far rather um, know what we're dealing with and get it over and done with sooner rather than later. Going to sack him if it's a bad report? Uh, I've said that I'll withhold judgment until I've seen the report. OK, when you see the report, you've got a second because it then comes back on you and your leadership, doesn't it? Well, it will depend what the report says, Mike. That's <laughs> what I've said. If it's a bad report, it will then come back on your leadership if you don't move them on. Well, like I said, I'm going to withhold judgment until I've seen the report. Do you regret, I was watching you post-Cabinet yesterday, do you regret not involving the ECE earlier on? So you had the big secret for the budget, but if you'd talked to these people, you might not have got yourself in the trouble you did with the funding? It's always a difficulty when you're putting the budget together in terms of consulting with the sectors who may or may not be getting additional money because you can also raise expectations which you know, ultimately, inevitably, the, the bids that go into the budget process don't all come out the other side of it. So um, you know, there's always a difficulty there. Every year that we've been in government, we've worked with the early childhood sector. We've put more money into ECE every year we've been in government and every year after the budget we've sat down and worked with them on the implementation details of that. And, and from time to time, that's, that's required some changes to what we're doing so that we can actually you know, deliver the commitments that we make in the budget. Can you do me a favour this morning as Prime Minister? Can you tell the unions that represent the secondary teachers of this country to get into arbitration? I think arbitration is the right way ahead, and I don't think they should be taking strike action while they're in arbitration. Strike action during arbitration has absolutely no impact on the outcome. Arbitration is the right way to go. I mean, so they'll get a fair and impartial hearing of their concerns and their claims. Um, and it means that the, the disruption that young people have been experiencing can stop. Is or should it be binding arbitration? Um, my understanding, I mean, we've looked at this yesterday, is that um, there, there isn't a provision in the law for binding arbitration. But 
um, you know, clearly the result of the arbitration is something the government will take very seriously. Okay, should there be a trigger for arbitration? Um, we can always have a look at that, how, how the overall system can be improved in the future. Obviously, in terms of the current situation that we've got, we've got to deal with the law as it stands now, and that requires the agreement of both parties to go into arbitration. On the government side, on the Ministry of Education side, that agreement is absolutely there. Would you see it, as many parents now see it, it's gone way too far, the damage for students, especially in the critical year 12 uh, uh, year, is too damaging, it's gone too far, too hard? Y- yes, I agree with that. Okay. Banks, why do we need an inquiry? Oh, banks have been making huge profits, and I think um, you know, New Zealanders want to Didn't know... Didn't we used to call that pain. success? Well, what, what, I think what, what New Zealanders want to know is that lack of competition in the banking sector isn't resulting in them paying the cost of that. Um, so, uh, you know, but there's heaps of competition in the banking sector. We can all see it. There's piles of banks. Um, there may be a number of banks. Whether or not the banking sector is operating as an effective competitive market is something that I think we should look at. Do you think it is? Time. There's lots of supermarkets too, Mike, but there's actually only two chains that are Well, that's what I've argued all along, but nevertheless you had a study into that yeah. as well. My, my fear is this, like all the other ComCom studies, it'll just come out with the same line. It's not working perfectly, but it's not the end of the world. What, what, what um, market studies do is they give us, and, and of course I'm not announcing anything on your show this morning. Um, but what time's what market, the announcement? What, what market studies do is give us an evidence base on which we can then make future decisions. Okay, what time's the announcement today? Oh, later on today there'll be an announcement on it. I haven't got the time in front of me. Okay. okay. Just quickly, the Hawke's Bay Regional Council admitted the government forced them to release their flood zoning maps before they were ready. Is that true? Uh, I haven't got detail on that, Mike. Happy to, happy to look at that. I do know that some of the local councils, um, you know, we've been trying to provide certainty as quickly as we can um, to the communities that have been affected by the flooding and by the cyclone, and that, that is putting those local authorities under pressure. So I want to acknowledge um, that there's been a lot of pressure on them um, and that none of these decisions are going to be 100% perfect. But the reality is if you wait for every decision, to every I to be dotted, every T to be crossed, the reality is that some of those communities could be waiting a very long time, and we want to try and give them as much certainty as quickly as we can. For more from the Mike Hosking Breakfast, listen live to News Talk ZB from 6am weekdays or follow the podcast on iHeartRadio.